elders here, and it is my privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, This is our second week of celebrating Advent, and today our focus, as you saw in the video, was on peace. If you were here last week, uh, you were able to be a part of the message as Pastor George kicked off our Advent season with a message on the love of God. Uh, He took us through 1 John chapter 4. And if you uh, were a cubby, or you recently graduated from cubbies, or you've been helping with cubbies, you know that in that is included 1 John 4.10, which their version of it says, God loved us and sent his son. And so this demonstration of God's love that George walked us through last week of sending the son causes us to be able to celebrate this Christmas season. God loves us while we were still sinners. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to live among us and ultimately to die in our place for our sins, to be raised from the dead. This morning, we're going to continue our Advent series, building on that foundation of God's love by looking at what this gift of Jesus does for us and does for all of creation. It brings us God's peace. So if you will turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, if you don't have one, uh, it will be on the screen or there's some that should be in the racks around you. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, the shepherds and the angels. Verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So this passage this morning is part of the heart and soul of sort of the traditional Christmas story, right? The journey to Bethlehem, the inn with no room, the shepherds going down into the stable to visit the baby Jesus in the manger, the wise men coming, laying their gifts down, right? At least this is sort of how it's presented in the Fisher-Price nativities, which just came out at our house and is in process of being pieces strewn all about, right? This well-ordered night in a barn where everybody's smiling and clean and it doesn't smell weird and 
all the pieces are there, right? Sometimes our understanding of this traditional nativity may so just drift a little bit from what the text actually tells us about what happened. And that feels like a sermon series for another time. But the reality of our text from today is that as we think about something that's depicted even in this small plastic setting, the impact of these events changed the entire world. So in our story today, we have these shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And now this was sort of an unusual shepherd behavior. And there are a lot of theories about why this might be. Uh, there are some scholars who think that maybe it was lambing season. And so the shepherds are giving extra attention to the sheep, keeping, keeping track of what's happening out there and making sure everybody's safe. There were also some scholars who say, well, maybe the reason that they were in such close proximity to the city was because that these were special lambs. These sheep were destined to be temple sacrifices and so needed to be kept close eye on. But regardless of why exactly the shepherds were out at night keeping such a close eye on these sheep, it shows us that they were very serious about their jobs, right? They cared deeply about these animals and what happened to them. And so they're willing to be uncomfortable, probably cold, away from their families to watch over these sheep. And then something happens. Again, our, our traditional nativity understands this messenger coming, and the shepherds are kind of bathed in this bright light, and there's a message given to them. If you look at verse 9, as this angel comes and shows up to them, these shepherds are filled with great fear. This event is terrifying to them. These are probably men who are not that afraid of things out in the dark in the wilderness, right? Like their, their ancestor David. They're ready to fight off bears and lions. They're prepared to take on thieves or people prowling out in the, in the wilderness. They're not probably afraid. But the angel shows up and brings with it the glory of the Lord shining around them, and they are filled with great fear. Now the message that they receive probably also was a little bit discomforting, right? This is one they've been waiting for for generations. The Savior has finally been born. They receive this proclamation from the angel. He's here. They receive a location. It's in Bethlehem city of David. And then they get this description of the circumstances, right? Swaddling cloths, feeding trough, probably not things that we would include in a modern birth announcement. But as they're trying to process all of this information, just when maybe it, it couldn't get more overwhelming, the multitude of the heavenly hosts show up, right? So I picture it like this for a little bit. You're standing Let's say on the field in a football stadium, but you don't know that you're on the floor in the field of a football stadium or an arena or some, some large space, and this bright light just kind of blasts you, right? And you're like, what is going on? Where am I? What is happening? What, what, why, why the lights? And then all of a sudden, every other stadium seat, every other seat in the arena fills 
you with light and sound, and you are just completely overwhelmed by what's happening. Right? So these, these shepherds, they've gotten this one message. It's terrifying to them. And then all of a sudden, the dial kind of gets turned up, and there's a multitude, thousands and thousands of the heavenly hosts praising God. Talk about a disorienting, overwhelming, terrifying event. But the angel's like, hey, don't fear, for behold, I have good news. The Savior has been born. And then the the heavenly hosts, they do their thing, and then they depart. And the shepherds are probably a little shell-shocked, wondering, what just happened? What do we do now? They, They probably took a moment or two before they said, and sometimes I know I read this, and they say, let us go to Bethlehem and see what is happening. And it probably was a little bit more energized than that. The adrenaline was probably pumping at that point in time. And they're like, did you hear that? What, what, what was that? I, I, did you hear what they were saying? Right? This, this, this moment of trying to, to process what just happened. But they all kind of agreed on one thing. Right? There was a message received in this astonishing way. That's made them say, we need to go figure out what this, what this is all about. And so they took off. The Bible says with great haste to understand the context of this message that they had just received. The Savior it has come. Glory to God and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So let's take a, a moment to just look at this announcement of peace just a little bit more closely. Because the response by the heavenly host to the first angel's message has this announcement of peace. The angel tells the shepherds not to be afraid, gives this announcement, gives them these clues on where to find the Savior. And the rest of them just explode in praise. In verse 13, this this moment is described as suddenly. There was with the angel a multitude of this heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God on the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So this multitude of heavenly hosts is praising God. And in the midst of that, this this phrase comes out clearly. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I think as we consider how peace and advent go together, how to celebrate this time well, our understanding of this pronouncement of peace in some ways determines how we interpret the entire Christmas story. So take it back with me a a couple hundred years before that, right? These guys would have known, and we know, that the prophet Isaiah had foretold the Prince of Peace coming. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for us, or to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what is our understanding of the role of the Prince of Peace? What is is the part that he is to play in this? How do we even understand peace in general? We used the word peace sometimes to describe the absence of conflict. Right? The idea of world peace. 
And we hear that a lot right now. It's all over our news, conflict all around the world. If we could just have peace. Or maybe like you, we in our household, you will talk about just having some peace and quiet, right? You know, a little bit of that calmness or restfulness. But what if these paint an incomplete picture of the idea of peace? What if that is just a shadow of what God is declaring through the angels in Luke chapter 2? Now, I'm not a Greek or a Hebrew scholar, but one of the things that I find really interesting is when I look at the original languages that the Bible was written in, we see nuances. We see a little glimpse into the way that God thinks about his people, his heart for his creation. And, and so when we think about like the idea of peace, some of us would think of the Hebrew word shalom, right? Maybe you've heard that word. Maybe you understand the concept that it, it means peace in Hebrew. But it's part of it, right? The Hebrew word shalom also includes the idea of completeness or wholeness. It includes an idea of the contentment that comes from the restoration of relationships. Now, Luke wasn't written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. But there's a Greek equivalent to this idea, and that is the word irene. So shalom, Hebrew, irene, Greek. They're the same concepts, an idea of wholeness and harmony that, yes, it includes the absence of conflict. Yes, it includes calmness. But even more so, it includes the idea that what was broken would be made new. And so the angels are proclaiming this reality. The Savior has been born. Now there is a way to wholeness. The creation that was broken by sin as a way to be restored. Another way of saying that this, this message the angels proclaim is glory to God in the highest and on earth, wholeness is now available to those with whom he is pleased. So we see this host of angels responding to this announcement of Jesus' birth in, in verse 13 and 14. And it's something along the lines of like, they're like waiting. Yes, this is it. God has finally brought back a way to healing and wholeness into creation. We have been waiting so long for this moment. What sin had broken. Now God is in the process of making it new in this Savior. Praise God. Glory to God in the highest. So this pronouncement, in light of God's love for us last week that George talked about, now we, we can see more of the picture of how God's love is playing out for us in this moment. He loved us and so sent his son. That's the announcement. The son, the savior, he's here. He's evidence of God's love. He loved us and sent his son. If we look later on, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, that Jesus himself is our peace. And then he follows that up in verse 17 by saying that Jesus then came and preached peace to all, both those who are near and those who are far off. In Romans 5.1, we see that we have been justified. Therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are broken in our sinful, natural state beyond what we could ever hope to repair. 
Jesus came as a baby, grew into a man, lived a sinless life, and ultimately took our brokenness onto himself on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins, and justified us, made us right with the Father. Because of his sacrificial love and the grace that he poured on us, we can now experience peace, the wholeness, the shalom, the irene that God is declaring and promising in Luke chapter 2. Jesus is the evidence of God's love, and he is the way to peace with God. This is the message of hope that makes the shepherds go with great haste. Right? I don't know what a bunch of shepherds running to town looks like, but that's what they're doing because of this message. There is a little clause at the end of verse 14 that maybe makes us pause, though, for a moment. It says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels are saying that there are some conditions to experiencing this peace, this wholeness. It says we can experience this peace if we're a part of those with whom God is pleased. How do we please God? If we look in Hebrews 11, verse 6, we see without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So how do we please God? We please God by having faith. Faith in Jesus. He is the key to unlocking God's peace, which is the gift that he gives us through Jesus. We see that in these angels, in the midst of their praise and glorifying God, are sharing this message with the shepherds that Jesus is our peace and our way to peace with God. This peace, this wholeness is available to those who have placed their faith in this Savior who was wrapped in swaddling cloth, set carefully in a manger. Now, in the Christmas season, I know I've heard this passage so many times that sometimes it might lose a little bit of the impact for what God's true peace means for me. God's peace is available through this baby, through this Prince of Peace. What did the shepherds do when they heard this news? Maybe looking at their response gives us a clue as to how we ought to think about peace during the Christmas season. So if you look at, at verse 17 there, when they saw it, this be Jesus in the manger, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child, but all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So in verse 17, we see that they shared this message that they had received about God's peace. They made known the sayings concerning this child, this Savior, the one we've been waiting for. Now there's a way to peace with God. And what did the people do? First of all, I wondered, who are all these people? It says, all the people, right? We don't exactly know who all of the people are, but there's enough of a ruckus going on that, that there's people gathering, and they're like, what, what is happening? Why are there shepherds here? What are they saying? I don't quite understand it. Their response is, they wondered. Shepherds who would normally not be in town, right, looking for this baby, they're here now. They're searching. They're sharing news that was given to them by an angel? What, what, what is happening? Maybe that the Messiah come 
I can't, I can't help but wonder about this wondering, right? Where there's some who are like, what, why, are you, why, why are you doing this? Why are you talking so loud? Why have you made a ruckus in my neighborhood? Why are you saying all of these things? And others who maybe responded by saying, could it, could it possibly be true? After all these years of waiting, the, the Messiah has come? Eventually in verse 20, the shepherds return. They go back to their sheep, to their livelihood. Even as they return, they realize that nothing about their future will be the same. It didn't change all of their circumstances, but it did change their perspective. They knew now that God had brought peace, and it caused them to glorify and praise God. And as we think about our personal response to this pronouncement of peace, and how maybe it should affect how we wait during the Advent season, I wonder if we shouldn't sort of follow the example the shepherds did. Because it seems as though their response maybe ought to inform ours. So as I look at this, I, I see three ways that they responded. First, the shepherds, they made new priorities, right? They heard the message from the angel, and they believed it enough to lead their sheep. They had made an investment. Remember that? They're out in the dark. They're in the cold. They're watching over these sheep, and they decided to lead. This angel's news of good Good news of great joy made them change their priorities. No longer were they motivated by the sheep. Now they were motivated about seeking the Messiah. In fact, they went with great haste, right? They were in such a hurry to meet the Christ child. For many of us, the trappings and the traditions of Christmas are something that we look forward to every year. The songs, the decorations, the cookies— you know, these are things that maybe motivate our hearts. But maybe are there some things that we ought to leave? Possibly even with great haste for the sake of the Savior. Are we overwhelmed enough by this good news of great joy that God's peace has come to us, that we're willing to step out of our regular Christmas rhythms, our normal investments to seek out that child? Second, the, the shepherds, once they made this new priority, they acted on it. They went to seek out the Savior, and they sought him until they found him in a season that has those wonderful, meaningful traditions and memories and family times. There are many opportunities for us, for me, to be distracted from acting on this. Maybe our hearts would best be served by spending time during the Advent season earnestly seeking the Savior. Because Jesus himself in Matthew 7 said, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. This seeking of the Savior led these shepherds now on a journey. I don't know how far away they were from Bethlehem, but they had to go. They had faith in the midst of this journey that what the angel shared was true and needed to be believed and acted on. They had faith that the Savior was worth seeking and that they would find him. In this Advent season, if you and if I seek the Savior, we will find that he is not far off. And according to Hebrews 11, he rewards those that seek him. 
Third, the shepherds then shared this message of God's peace. And all that heard it were in wonder about it. This, this is a key part of this because sharing the message of God's peace available through Jesus is the only way that we as humans can experience the true peace that God has to offer. It's not just about calm or quiet. As blessings, as much of a blessing as those are, it's not just about the absence of conflict. It's about wholeness through Jesus. It's about true, eternal peace. Advent is a time where we look back. We read the stories we, we set up the Fisher-Price Nativity. We think about the things that God has done. He sent his only son to be born of a virgin in a small town in humble circumstances. But Advent also gives us an opportunity to look ahead, to anticipate what he will do. Sometimes this has been called the already not yet. I don't know if you've heard that term before. God has already done these things to make a way, but he has not yet made everything whole and new again. There is still much conflict and brokenness in our world. The darkness feels close sometimes. We see it everywhere. As we put our hope and our faith in Jesus, it doesn't always change our circumstances but it does change, like the shepherds, our perspective. We can be assured that the almighty king of the universe is at work in each of us and in the whole world to make things whole and right and new again. The Bible kind of wraps up its message with this statement in Revelation chapter 21, where the one who is seated on the throne, the king of the universe, says, Behold, I am making all things new. So during the Advent season, we reflect on the fact that now there's a way. There's a bridge between what was broken and God. And then we think about the reality that he will make all things new. We look down at the, the baby in the manger, the evidence of God's love being sent to us, announced in this field in Bethlehem in the middle of the night, causing shepherds to run around. But we also realize that that's a way for all things to be made new and whole. That God will all eventually be at peace with all of his creation. This is the good news of the gospel. Peace with God now through Jesus. And peace and wholeness promised that is to come. This is the good news that we look forward to in Advent. And this is the reason that we celebrate Christmas, because God's love has come to us, and now we can have true peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made a way for there to be peace. Through this child that was sent, who grew up into a man who lived this perfect, sinless life, who died for our sins on the cross, that now there is a way to peace with you. And there is a way that you will make all things new. And so as we celebrate during this Christmas season, would you, God, cause our hearts to make new priorities, that we would seek you out because you will be found. 
and that we would share this message, that there is peace available through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for, for that gift. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.